0: listening to first church charlotte. All right, so we are looking at ethics and the manifestation of God. Uh, let's just hold off on reading a text and let's just save the time and and dive right into it. And I want to remind you of the passage we read last week where Jesus is speaking of rebuke to the religious scribes and lawyers, and he basically tells them, "Look, you are of your father, the devil." That's pretty. Uh, that's, that's pretty straight, right? fact, that's a little bit too straight for me. (laughs) You are of your father, the devil, which undoubtedly was astonishing, astonishing to them because they had spent their whole life in pursuit of rightness. They had spent their whole life in pursuit of righteousness according to the law of Moses. It's terrifying to me to think that somebody could spend their whole life trying to do the right and end up doing the wrong right? Lord, help us not to do that. We don't want to spend our whole life pursuing uh, what we feel is the right and then discover in some way it is it is the wrong. We we want to uh, get it right. We want to be as right as we can be. Now, uh, we none of us... Stand here and say we have arrived and we have made it, but we all of us want to get it as right as we can. We can get it, and we all of us want our lives to be a testimony of God's goodness and God's blessing in our life. And so, I'm talking tonight about the manifestation of God. Quick review uh, when Jesus Says that to these religious people, uh, he basically is pointing out of which kingdom their actions are a part of, which kingdom their values are reflecting. And he's saying, You are of your father, the devil. Um, And they, of course, take issue with this. Uh, There is two kingdoms at work there is the kingdom of heaven, that's what we want to be a part of. And there is the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of this world, the system of this world, the kingdoms of this world. And we talked last week about ethics being, uh, as it were, derived from the nature of God, not simply the law of God. The law had a very specific role in our life, and the law was to prepare us to meet grace. Do you see? Law was not a manner of perfect living. It was a manner of godly instruction to let people under it realize they could not succeed through the law. They needed redemption. Uh, They, in their love for law, they forgot about redemption. And that act that would happen at Calvary, which was a Modeling of what had happened in Egypt when they were brought out of Egypt and the blood was applied, the lamb was slain, the blood was applied, that all was fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. And we talked about that some last week, but for time's sake, let me dive into this understanding that ethics is a part of the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. I want to say that again uh, because you probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking of it that way. I know I haven't, and I want to. Um, Ethics are a part of the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. I should explain. So we all of us think of the kingdom of God as being something that happens in heaven. We think of, of it being Uh, age to come, but I want you to know the kingdom of God is here and now, and it is manifest among the nations as the church. Stay with me. God is manifest through Jesus Christ, but the kingdom of God is manifest through the church. Now, the church is not the whole of the kingdom of God, but the church is a part of the kingdom of God here on earth. Revelations 1 and 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Do you see what John is saying here? He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us our sins, covered them by his blood, and he has made us, somebody say me, a kingdom, priests, To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. Christian ethics are just as much a part of the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth as the miraculous. Now, I want you to see that we are ambassadors to this world of another kingdom. I don't want to. I, I want. I know I'm going to pound this every one of these nights. We talk about ethics because if you if you think of ethics in the terms of I've got to do this in order to be saved, you will have made a rich subject very poor. You will have missed the depth. That is in how we live and how we manifest God here on earth. Uh, as a church, as being a part of the church age, we are often guilty of trying to define everything in terms of, can I do this and still be saved? This is to make poor the riches of God's grace. This is to simplify to a type of spiritual silliness what is A mission that God has invested in the earth. You see, if you only view the work of God through terms of saved and lost, you are like a slave who is under duty and obligation. And if I don't do it, then God's going to get me. You will have missed the New Testament. Don't have time to get too deep into that, so let me just touch it and keep moving. It is the will of God that we of our heart pursue His presence and we choose His kingdom. We choose His way of being. We choose His way of living. And as ambassadors, we manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. How do we do that? On one hand, we do that through the miraculous. We pray for miracles. And when miracles happen, it is a sign of God God's dominion here on earth. That's why Jesus could say to the church age to come, to his disciples, and to the church age to come, Greater works than these shall you do. You will lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The miraculous will always be a sign of the presence of God. And as church people, we oftentimes love the miraculous and ignore ethics. Amen. I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I say that to see, I want you to see living a certain way, living by a certain style, living by heaven's values is just as much how we represent the kingdom of heaven to this earth as if someone were raised from the dead. You see, it isn't just a testimony when God delivers the individual. It's also a testimony when they are God, die the death of a martyr martyr with the hope of heaven in their hearts and the songs of worship on their lips they are just as much a testament hear me today if you only can manifest the dominion of god When things work out in your way, uh, uh, the way you would like them to, you have set yourself up for failure the first time you have a real storm blow into your life. Because how you overcome temptation is just as much a part of your testimony of the kingdom of heaven as when you say, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense to me. Jesus will raise the dead and a few days later go to Calvary. You see, ethics are just as much a part of our manifestation of the nature of God as when we enjoy the presence of God or we experience the power of God. And so here on earth, help me, Lord, to say this in a way that will last. Here on earth, our goal is not simply to be saved You should have some faith in God and his ability to finish what he started in you. Your number one motive should not be fear of being lost. Your number one motive should be fear of burying your talents. Because God started something in you and he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. He is able to present you. Man, I wish I could preach here. He's able to present you faultless before the throne of his glory with exceeding joy. Yeah. Do you see, how we manifest the kingdom of God is not simply presence, good church. It's not simply power. We prayed and they were healed. It's how you walk, live, talk, and believe Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. It is a way of being. Amen. That's why ethics are very much a part of how we identify with the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of earth. It is almost a cliche. When people use Christianity to promote their business, it's almost a cliche that you should hide your wallet and run. That's almost a joke in our culture. The more people talk about, oh, they're Christian businessmen, the more you have start hiding your wallet. Here is the thing. That is a shame because churches and Christians are often guilty of celebrating presence and celebrating power, but living unethically. And they fail to see that the ethics they live during the week is their manifestation of the nature of God, not the character of God. God doesn't need to have character. Why? Because God is not trying to do better. We're the ones trying to do better. He is living his nature. God is not trying to be good. God is good. He's not trying to be faithful. That's what we're trying to do. God is faithful. And so we live the nature of our God. And so Christian ethics teaches us how to live, not simply as a personal plan to make heaven our home. That is the the shallow end of the pool. But as a goal to manifest his kingdom, his values, and his heart to the world. It won't matter if you have truth, if you live in a way where no one wants to share it. It won't matter if you have presence, if you live in a way where others can only see you. And it will not matter if you experience the miraculous. If the testimony of your life does not introduce people to the kingdom of heaven. And so Christian ethics teaches us how to live, like Paul wrote to the church uh, in Colossians, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Remember, the ultimate basis for Christian character um, and Christian ethics is the moral nature of God. He stands in his own righteousness and holiness. He is unchanging. He, he is eternal. His moral standard for us does not flow from his commandments to us. It flows from his nature. We are made in his image. This is why Even the people who have not had introduction to the truth of the gospel, Paul says they still have a witness and they are without excuse. Why? Because they have been introduced to the nature of God and made in his image all nations, all tribes, all kindreds, settle upon similar basic ways of living and interacting with others. And they have very similar moral codes of murder and adultery and, and and all of these things that are the basics. This flows not from commandments although we have commandments. It flows from the nature of God. God is love. And so we are invited to live as people who love others. And John will go so far as to say is if you haven't love for your brother you haven't God and you should not say you have known him because you do not know him He is love. He directs us to love. He is holy. He directs us to holiness. He is merciful. He directs us to mercy. He is truthful. He directs us to truth and directs us away from false witness. His moral... Nature is part of who he is, and we must pursue the manifestation of his nature in this world today because we are his, we are heaven's ambassadors to this generation. How do, we, how do we get this, uh, an error? I want to show you a mistake, and I don't, I don't have a lot of time tonight. The time just runs away from me, and before I know it, I've already spent up my time, but uh, I, I, I want to try to show you an example here of how people can, can make this mistake. Um, it's always helpful to find mistakes in the Scripture because they're safe learning uh, moments, and, and so I, I, I looked for something uh, where there is a very sincere individual who is missing something fundamental, Uh, I I would refer you to the prophetess Anna that is told to us in Luke chapter number 2. She is of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after uh, her marriage and was then a widow until she was 84. The Bible says... Uh, she never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying, coming up to them, talking of Mary and Joseph and baby, uh, the baby Jesus, comes up to them, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward, to notice this, to the redemption of Jerusalem. They're looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. There is no scriptural doctrine of the redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a geographical place, and there is no doctrine of the redemption of a geographical place, and yet the Jewish people, even the sincere ones, even the righteous ones, even the ones who are not leaving the house of God, and they're praying and fasting, they can misunderstand what to expect from the kingdom of heaven, and they're looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. They're talking about the fact They are oppressed by the Roman Empire and they want a Messiah to come and throw off the Roman Empire and set Jerusalem free to be as it was in the days of King David and King Solomon, its own entity in the earth, not oppressed from foreign powers. The Lord was not interested in redeeming Jerusalem from political oppression. He was interested in redeeming the souls of men and women from spiritual oppression. The redemption is not for a city, it's for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. But you see, sincere people misunderstand what the kingdom of heaven is about. Do you see? Good person, sincere person, not just her. This is just an example. The whole generation of the time is confused by what does the kingdom of heaven entail? What is it going to look like? And in their minds, they think Rome is going to be cast off. Won't it be awesome? And we're going to be upright and free. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is. And so when Jesus comes and he says, no, no, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is not a possession. It is a call to a way of life it is not something you possess like a prosperity doctrine and because you have the cool you're the cool kids you have an unlimited spiritual bank account it's not a possession in that sense it is the invitation to a way of being a way of living and so jesus directs them away from this redemption of the nation or redemption of the city and he invites them to a way a straight way a way that's so difficult that there's few who's going to find it and he doesn't say that to sinners he says it to religious people we are all of us challenged to pursue the way of the cross the way of the kingdom it's not as easy as we would like to think it is a way of serving it's not living by the values of this world it's not caring about the things of this world it is to value the promises of God in the age to come. And, believe, and ethics is not a plan to be saved. Ethics is an opportunity you have to image God. Amen because you, this is a word that is so beautiful and uh, uh, you see it uh, in the Old Testament and when we were talking about uh, the image of God, that word, you see it coming up and you can translate that as we are an imager of God and so when people, they should see God in us, this is your opportunity to live ethically because you are an imager of God and it is just as much a testimony of his nature as if we had good children church and it's just as much an invitation to his nature as if you received a miracle so God save us from being people who want to shout on Sunday and then not live ethically on Monday it is just as much the manifestation of God do you see Do you see how this is so much deeper than, can I I be saved and do this or am I going to be lost? No. Set yourself free from selfishness and start believing you are God's ambassador here on earth. I am imaging God to the world. That's why I show him love. That's why I'm patient. That's why I'm long-suffering. That's why I strive to be filled with kindness because I am manifesting God to the world. Don't say his spirit's changed you and then lived like it hasn't. Right. Amen. Come on now. So let me read Galatians 3. You are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27. You are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. People should look at you and they should see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Uh Christian ethics must be founded upon the Bible. Let me very quickly move along and I'm going to try to be done here in maybe 10 minutes, uh 5 if you're lucky, but you're probably not lucky. Um <laughs> thank you guys for coming out on the Bible study night. Let me speak this word. I love this word. I want to I want to I want to I want to communicate it in a way that is is uplifting and is helpful to you. Christian Christian ethics um it they it must be based upon the Bible. There is in church history. I just want to touch this. I don't have a time for a lot of it. There is uh, in the tradition uh, of of the Christian Church. There is um, various things that, just like the House of Israel and the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes and the, the lawyers of the day, uh, there there's ways that we can err by having things placed on the same level as the Bible. This is always a mistake. The Word of God is the foundation for everything else. Let me give you an example of this. In in church history, uh, they call it the Wesleyan tradition. This is, of course, from the great reformer, great preacher, John Wesley. Um, He he established four sources, uh, four sources for Christian ethics, and it's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Uh, Imagine four boxes. There's four boxes, and there are uh, placed in the first one, Scripture, and the second one, tradition. And the third one, reason. And the fourth one, Christian experience. Uh, I want to say I am by no means of the level of attainment that someone like uh, John Wesley is. But I just want to point out that there is a, a risk here. Um, when you lay it out like this, it, it, it leads the, the observer to think that there's Bible, there is tradition, there is reason, and there is a Christian experience. As though these things are equal. This is always a mistake. This is exactly what happened in the time of Jesus when Jesus told the the, the Pharisees, you teach the traditions of men as though they were the doctrines of God. It's exactly what he's talking about. In that context, he would specifically talk about uh, rituals of cleanliness. And there was rituals of cleanliness in the law. Uh, but what they had done is they had detailed what it meant to be, uh, to be clean. And not simply the principle itself. They had gone beyond the principle. And they had elevated tradition, their traditions, to the level of scripture. I like to think of it this way. There's one foundation and then there's three tools. A tool is not a foundation it 's just a tool okay that 's how I like to think about that 's my language that is my uh, journey through the bible not not simply as a pastor. As a pastor, true, but also as a Bible student. Number one, we have one foundation. Someone say it's the Word of God. We have one foundation. That's the Word of God. We have three tools, though, that we use that are not foundations. They are not to be built on. There's one foundation. That's the Word of God. Uh, but these the tools of tradition, the tools of reason, and the tr- t- tool of Christian experience can help us. But the, em- the emphasis I want to make tonight is that Christian ethics must be based upon the Bible because we have no no other authoritative word from God except this word that God has given us uh, in the Scripture, and so Christian ethics becomes essential to the proclamation of the gospel. Without ethics, the gospel is always—it's always, uh, it's always uh, shadowed by the error and the failing of the people who is is proclaiming it. And so, what we see is that the ethics of the Christian are essential to the proclamation of, of the gospel. You'll see this, I don't, I don't want to get into the scriptures because there's a bunch here, but um, you'll see this in, 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 in many, many places where, where, where Paul is imploring people to do what is right, to live what is right, to clothe themselves with Christ, to follow after the fruit of the Spirit and the like, uh, because there must be uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our life, not just the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Do you see the difference? The gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit is dangerous. Can I have a big amen on that? Yeah. The, fruit of the, the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit is very dangerous. Or let me say it this way. Power without ethics is a train wreck waiting to happen. Right. <sighs> amen. Further, the presence of God without ethics is a... A confusion to the outsider. How can you have services like that? And then I do business with you later and I find out the kind of Christian you really are. It is a confusion to the world. You see, Christian ethics invites us to live for the glory of God. And when you, I, I'm, I'm glad for every time we're in the service and we shout or dance and, and we worship the Lord, that is for his glory. But when you live ethically in your life, that is for his glory too. That is for his glory too. And let us not be people... I, I know uh, with ethics, uh, the problem with ethics is the closer we push them to rules, the easier they are to mock by working around them in an unethical way. And so you have to keep your ethics as principled as possible because that does not allow you to mock it through legalism or trickery. It holds you to the principle. In other words, you can mock a rule by creating some absurdity to go around it. I'll give you an example. In the day of Jesus, they couldn't swear by the temple. or No, they could swear by the temple, but they couldn't swear by the gold in the temple. What they had done is they had mocked something foundational to the word of the Lord. The Lord's point in telling you not to swear is your life should image him. If you're the kind of person who has to go around and say, No, really, I'm telling the truth this time, I promise. I swear, he doesn't want you representing the kingdom of heaven. Do you see? Your ethics, image, God, you are ambassadors of another kingdom. And so every time, man, I'm just fired up here tonight. Every time we get around principle by by trickery. Every time we get around principle by coming up with some fancy way of it not being applied to you. Every time you don't mock principle, principle mocks you. Do you see? And so this is the error where we try to find some fine-toothed comb whereby we can have our cake and eat it too. That's not how it is. That's not how it is biblically. We glorify God by living a certain kind of way. When you make decisions to show your treasures are not here on earth, but they're laid up in heaven, you glorify God with your life. When you live in a certain way not to give in to the the baser element of your heart. James defines it. We talking about, I was talking about this before service with someone. Uh, James defines sin like this. Sin is when you're... Your inward desire meets an outward opportunity. Your inward desire meets an outward opportunity. That's why you should not just try to regulate in your your inward desire. You should regulate your outward opportunity. Oh, y'all aren't going to hear me tonight. I'm just going to go a little bit longer. I just feel like that's five more minutes right there. You should not trust yourself in bad situations. You should do what Joseph did and get out of that situation. And so I want you to see, I want you to see that ethics, when you choose not to talk about somebody, you're glorifying God. You're not just trying to stay saved. Right. Amen. When you choose not to bear false witness, you are glorifying God. You are an ambassador of a heavenly kingdom. You're not just trying to stay saved. Do you see your invitation? The greatest thing that will ever happen to you in your life is that you have been included in the kingdom of God. And you have an opportunity through presence the presence of God, through the power of God, and through the ethical choices of your life, the fruit of the Spirit, you have an opportunity all this week long to give glory to your to your Savior. Now doing so will bring many benefits to your life. There are real quickly, there's the joy of uh, living ethically. There's the joy of deeper fellowship. There is the joy of pleasing God. There is the joy of becoming a vessel for honorable use. There is the joy joy of being an effective witness to unbelievers. There's a joy to increased answers of prayer. There is the joy of closer fellowship and trustedness with other Christians. There is the joy of the clear, of a clear conscience and there's other blessings in the Bible. But I want you to see, we are invited to image God and represent another kingdom. And so we don't care about the things of the world the way the world cares. We don't have a love for those things. Instead, we care about a kingdom to come. And when we live that way, we have an opportunity to show a kingdom that is not of this world. And we fulfill our duty here on earth of representing the kingdom of heaven to this world. Because the kingdom of heaven is currently manifest to the world by the church. Jesus Christ manifests God to the world, as like the author of the book of Hebrews said in these latter days, it's been God has been manifest through Jesus Christ. That is God, but the church manifests the kingdom of God to the earth. That's why we must be a peculiar people. Do you see? We are peculiar people. This is ethics based. We are a we we are a God centered people, and we live by the ethics that bring glory to God. So, very quickly, I'm um, done. Musicians, you can come and uh, play softly something really touching about how people need to run to the altar and repent as soon as possible. Um, that's my request for the service tonight. Uh, <laughs> I want you to see how uh, a couple things. Ethics are not just for you. Ethics are for me. Ethics are not just for laity. Ethics are for ministry. And uh, I'm not going to do it tonight. Uh, Tonight I'm dealing about how we manifest God. To the world, the, the the goal of the church, the work of the church is through the presence of God, through the power of God, and through the manner of our lives, the testimony of our lives. We manifest the kingdom of God to the world. Okay, that's that's tonight, but uh, I, I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to, before this is all done here, probably in a week or two, I'm going to give us a framework, an ethical framework that I think is helpful. It won't be the final word, it won't be the, the best thing ever said, but it'll be a, helpful ethical framework that we can apply to any situation and have at least a place to start to go from. But I want you to see how ethics and I was, I was challenged to do this recently by one of my mentors. And he, he told me, he said, um, we were, uh, we were talking about a circumstance and he told me, he said, I made the decision, uh, not just to teach the ethics of, uh, the laity the laity, but I also taught them ministerial ethics. So they would understand that you have ethical limitations too. And he said, I chose to do that. So they would perceive not just authority, but they would perceive order. If ethics is just for you, there's authority. I'd be the pastor here, but there's not order. Who's your authority. Do you, do you see how that See how that works. And so I want to show you how this works in all all of our lives. We have ethical response. I'm not going to go over a list of all the rights and wrongs. That's impossible. I'm going to give you biblical principles, a framework, simple framework that you can apply to any situation. But I want to challenge you all this. Every time, every time you're tempted to take a shortcut, an ethical shortcut, and do something that errs in your favor, I want you to stop seeing it in terms of saved and lost because that takes the responsibility. I'm not saying it doesn't affect your salvation or not. I think it it does, maybe not immediately, but at some point, uh, it's going to affect it. Uh, but I want you to see how that absolves you of taking responsibility for your mission here on earth, which is to image God and represent the kingdom of God. And I want you to see how when we cheat in little ways. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet. I got the bishop to say amen, but he's nearly perfect, so that doesn't count, you know. The rest of us sinners, we're all dead quiet around here. <laughs> I want you to see, I want you to see, I want you to see when we do that, we have failed not just to be a good person, we have failed in our God-called mission, which is to be an imager of God and to be an ambassador to our world. Lord Jesus, help us, I pray, to be people of profound and deep spiritual ethics. Help us not to be enamored of power as though that's the only thing. Help us to see that there is ethics that are just as much a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven as the power that so often that we pursue. And help us to represent you, I pray. I pray you'd give your people strength. I pray you would give them courage. I pray they would see the mission in their good decisions. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand as you stand. Would you lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise here tonight before we go our various ways. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.